there shall be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, and pestilences, men's hearts failing them for fear for that which is coming upon the earth. Where do you look? Where do you turn? Where will you get the truth? You turn to the Johnny Storm Show, where you will find truth, and the truth will make you free. Welcome to the Johnny Storm Show. And welcome indeed, right here on the Johnny Storm Show. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Tonight's title is Illegal Shooting in Oregon, the latest. Now, I call it illegal because it was. I mean, let's call a spade a spade, shall we? I'll go through my reasoning later. I don't think I should have to give any, I mean, to any to anyone who's ever, especially anyone who's ever been in law enforcement, you know. You know as well as I do. Probably better than I do. That this shooting was set up and bogus. It did not have to end this way. In spite of the fact, no matter what you think about whether the Bundy group and, and Mr. Finnegan were right or wrong in how they went about this, and I've went on the air time and again since this started that I was not for how they went about this. That's irrelevant when it comes to the actual shooting of Mr. Finnegan. So, to start off the show, let's hear from uh, Ammon Bundy, who put out a fresh recording today from the county jail he's in up in Portland. Here we go. This is Ammon Bundy. Uh, I am currently in jail, solitary confinement, and I've learned that I've just been indicted. Uh, I asked the question, what are a people to do? This is what you get when government officials ignore the people. We exhausted all prudent measures to get government officials to investigate the abuses to the Hammond family. Tens of thousands of people understood injustice were taking place by government officials, and their petitions were ignored. The results of government officials ignoring the people are acts like the takeover of the Malia Refuge. Taking over the refuge was not only right, it was the duty of the people to do. When government officials are acting in contrary to the people, they must not get away with it. The takeover of the Malia Refuge was a needed action to show government officials that the people will not be complacent when they prosecute and bully good families like the Hammonds. Government officials chose to end our educational efforts with attacks of force, and it appears they intend to do it again. Go home, Oregon State Police. You have already killed enough. Go home, FBI. It is time to end this. Thank you, Ammon Bundy. What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Page, 
in light of the recent events in Oregon, I just wrote a song that I want to share with you. This is called The Ballad of Lavoie Finicum. Subtext, Cowboys Stand for Freedom. He was a man who loved to walk the land. Turn his cheek, but also take a stand. His conviction called, he followed what he felt was right. Well, there's no telling just what time will bring. You can live for nothing or for everything. But when the pushes come to shove and tell me, will you find? Thunder and across the night. 
God's sweet cowboy will carry on. Oh, yeah. Nice song from Jordan Page. Ballad of the Boy Finnicum is what it's called. And you can see it on YouTube if you like. I play it on the show from time to time. And it gets to me every time. So, the illegal shooting in Oregon. <clears throat> I've listened to, obviously, and you just listened to <clears throat> Mr. Um, Bundy's testimony from from jail and it makes no sense how they ended this thing once again I don't care what you think about how it all started and maybe it was the wrong way to go I've, I've been on this show on the record saying that I wish they would have left when they had the chance. None of that matters anymore. What matters is, was this shooting justified? Was their Were their tactics justified? And from being former security police and law enforcement in the U.S. Air Force, okay. Well, that's not a real cop, Johnny. Well, really? A base, an Air Force base, is a small city. We responded to the same crap that any other law enforcement agency does. Granted, I was more security, more... <clears throat> we were more geared... My specialty was more geared towards resource and base security than it was law enforcement, but we still had to respond to the same things. So I know a little bit about ambushes. I know a little about a bit about how things are supposed to be conducted and this ambush which is what it was is essentially you you trap the enemy and once you got them trapped you get them in an un, unwinnable crossfire and you kill them and to me that's what this looked like it was tech it was almost textbook i mean except for the idiots that were breaking cover and shooting towards their fellow officers, but any, besides all that. Let's listen to one of the best essays I have seen, or articles, essay, whatever you want to call it, that I've seen on this incident to date. Now, forgive me, Jake, if I mispronounce your last name, but it's it looks like Morphineos. M-O-R-P-H-O-N-I-O-S. E-T-N-R, investigative reporter. And that's dated today, February 4th, 2016. And it reads as follows. Over the years, I have had both good and bad interactions with the FBI. I've had friendships with agents in the CIA and the FBI while maintaining an ardent opposition to the agencies themselves. Now, I'll stop right there because I agree with that. 
I've got some casual friends that are in Border Patrol and other law enforcement agencies. They're not bad people. Not whatsoever. So we will continue. These connections have proven valuable, especially with regard to my reporting. Just this week, I was able to visit a friend of mine in the FBI and ask some questions about FBI operations. I disagree with the sentiment that all federal employees are villains, and I share that sentiment. Me personally, Johnny Storm. Some of the people in these services share many of the same concerns that I do regarding the constitutionality of their operations. They see the rapid militarization of various federal bureaucracies into very large, centrally controlled standing army, and it causes them alarm. These individuals are decent people, patriotic Americans who, like many of us, want what is best for our nation, though we differ in opinion on how to achieve our goals. It is to those individuals that this message is written. I do not believe that it is justifiable to shoot an innocent man in cold blood while he has his hands in the air to silence his political speech, especially when the warrant for his arrest says that his crime is nothing more than hindering a few workers in a bird sanctuary from going about their daily routine. What the FBI did to Lavoie was atrocious, and I want you to understand why. The crime, in quotation marks, that Lavoie Finnecum engaged in is called civil disobedience. And it's a very important type of free speech. I can see how some people with different perspectives might think that he should be arrested for participating in an act of civil, civil disobedience. But I cannot see how the situation in Oregon could justify using armed drones and reconnaissance planes, FBI surveillance of phones and computers of hundreds of people including people not even at the refuge, acts of malicious intimidation by filling the town to the brim with over a hundred heavily armed agents and scores of government vehicles, posting heavily armed militarized goons around the public courthouse who refused to repeatedly to identify who they work for to the public. Now I'm going to stop right there real quick. They refuse to identify themselves and who they work for. Do you get that? Where's the accountability? Where's the accountability? We're paying their frickin' salaries with our hard-earned tax money. Where's the accountability? There is none. Rumor has it that they were using Blackwater, XE, whatever the hell they call themselves these days, mercenaries. What do mercenaries do? They fight for the highest bidder. Period. They don't give a shit about flags or allegiances. They pay. They fight for whoever pays the most. Period. End of story. Okay. <sighs> Monitoring the online activities of citizens who are talking about the issue in social media. Well, the other night, Tuesday night, Look at the screenshot on my Facebook page. 22, 22 virus attacks. That was just during the show. <clears throat> They're using keywords, folks, to discover us. 
<coughs> create, uh, using undercover agents to pose as protesters to infiltrate and harass the local population to try and turn them against the protesters, creating a no-fly zone over the area, engaging in false negotiation, using an entire convoy of federal vehicles to shut down a vast stretch of highway without the consent of the local sheriff, shooting at Lavoie's vehicle twice to make him unwittingly flee for safety toward a predetermined kill zone. I'm going to stop there again. Think about that statement for a second. Shooting at Lavoie's vehicle twice to make him unwittingly flee for safety toward a predetermined kill zone. But that shooting was justified, right? Firing at him during the chase, setting up a roadblock with federal agents, state police, and Blackstone, or Blackwater mercenaries, posting multiple snipers in the woods, some with snowmobiles, jumping out from behind cover to shoot him through the windshield, pumping him full of bullets as he got out with his hands up to, dry, to try to draw fire away from his fellow passengers. Flipping the boy the bird and withholding medical treatment while he lay dying in the frickin' snow. The frickin' part I added. Terrorizing three innocent people in the vehicle by firing flash grenades, bullets, and tear gas pellets at them for ten minutes. Putting a bullet into the arm of one of the passengers and emotionally scarring a teenage girl for the rest of her life. And, on top of it all, releasing a video to justify the murder by claiming Lavoie was going for a gun when, in fact, he was reaching down to clutch at a bullet wound he'd just received. So let's ask ourselves, was the U.S. government justified in this kind of response to an act of civil disobedience? Well, let's look at how civil disobediences have been handled in the past. Now, once again, this is from the article, folks. The author lives in Greensboro, North Carolina, the site of the famous uh, 1960 Greenboro sit-in. Four black men entered a Woolworth department store and sat down at the whites-only lunch counter and asked to be served. Though they were told to leave, the men continued sitting at the counter beyond the store closing time and refused to leave. The next day, 20 more blacks joined the sit-in. Then the numbers rose to 60, then to 300, all the way up to nearly 1,400 protesters, black and white. The sit-in dragged on for months. By the time the sit-in was finished, the store claimed nearly $200,000 in losses, which is equal to $1.6 today. <coughs> Excuse me. The Greensboro sit-in sparked other protests, sit-ins, and acts of civil disobedience around the country. The lunch counter employees were not able to go about their work routines and both customers and workers reporting feeling threatened and intimidated. But at no point did federal agents wiretap them, surround them with light armored tanks or shoot anyone. In fact, not only did federal agents not get involved, but not even the local police authorities tried to arrest the activists. The North Carolina History website says, the reaction of police departments in the region was, by and large, muted. How the times have changed, and unfortunately not for the better. Since the passage of the uh, Patriot Act following the September 11th attacks, civil liberties and constitutional rights have eroded at an astounding pace. 
It is natural that in the face of ongoing oppression by an out-of-touch, out-of-control, and out-of-its-frickin'-mind federal government, the citizens are going to engage in peaceful resistance. It is not only our right, but it is our duty. Civil disobedience is the act of disobeying a law on justified grounds of moral or political principle. A very common form of civil disobedience is the occupation of property or buildings. We engage in civil disobedience to try to influence society into accepting a point of view that goes against the point of view of the oppressor. In other words, civil disobedience is meant to wake up the sleeping masses and draw their attention to an injustice that is so morally repugnant that they should get involved even if the problem does not currently affect them personally. Yeah, try and get that done in today's iPad age. If you're inter interested in this subject, you may wish to read on the duty of civil disobedience by Henry, da Henry David Thoreau. His reasons, he reasons that when a person con conscientiously clashes with existing law, that person has the moral right to follow his conscience rather than the law. This is natural law, which Pastor Chuck Baldwin talks about a lot. A principle of civil disobedience is that when a law genuinely violates a person's conscience, that person has the right to act now, rather than wait for the day when the law might be changed. In fact, the Declaration of Independence proclaimed that the government gets its power from the people. And if that government misuses its authority, it is the right and the duty of the people to fight back, which is exactly what Ammon, Ryan, Lavoie, Shauna, and the other citizens for constitutional freedom were doing. Our nation's history is rife with acts of civil disobedience against government. From the Boston Tea Party, where colonists trespassed on government property and destroyed its cargo, to Harriet Tubman's Underground Railroad to help free slaves, to the women's suffra suffrage movement, when thousands of women were arrested and jailed for their act of civil disobedience designed to secure equal rights, to the anti-war movement during the Vietnam era. On and on the list goes, right down to our day, when private property owners in the West are rising up in large numbers to protest the ongoing theft of lands and abuse by the federal government's agencies. In all of these various movements, the citizen had first tried to achieve justice through the legal process. They petitioned for a redress of their grievances. They lobbied and petitioned, wrote letters, went to court, tried to work through state legislatures, all for nothing. In each instance, the legitimate demands of every single group were flatly rejected. When justice cannot be obtained through the existing legal and political system, Civil disobedience naturally follows. Engaging in civil disobedience does not mean that a person is immoral or criminal. It means that they have the courage of their convictions to put their own safety and freedom at risk for a greater cause than themselves. Engaging in civil disobedience should not make an American citizen a target for political assassination by our government. And I hope that my friends and acquaintances who work in the FBI and other federal agencies will, from today forward, have the moral courage, courage, to disobey orders that violate the U.S. Constitution, 
or otherwise violate their conscience. I know some of you, and I know that you do not agree with many of the actions taken by your superiors. I call on you today to either remain within your organizations and actively work to subvert efforts to harass or harm innocent citizens, or you quit. However, if you continue just to just follow orders to keep earning a paycheck at the expense of justice and liberty of your fellow man, you should fee feel ashamed of yourself every day as you look in the mirror at yourself and say, I'm just following orders. Well, that was the same defense that the Nazis gave during the Nuremberg trials to justify their assaults on innocent people. The time has come for you to ask yourself where your true loyalties lie and pick a side. You can either stand with the American people and try to protect us, or you can stand with the government that is oppressing us and operate as it's hammered upon the citizens into submission. Depending on your choice, you determine whether you are my friend or my enemy. Once again, that was by Jake Morfanios, ETNR investigative reporter. You can read it on my Facebook page. I agreed with the whole thing, and that's the best article I've seen written on this whole situation since it started. Since it started. And I've read and watched and listened to current and ex-law enforcement people talk about this, and they're all pretty much telling me the same thing. This was a straight-up ambush slash murder. They wanted to silence these people. And when you hear the testimony tonight from Shauna Cox, who was there in the vehicle getting shot at, and Victoria Sharp, you'll probably, well, if you don't change your tune, you're probably not ever going to because you're one of the government toads. One thing I want to remind everybody about tonight your rights come from the creator, not from the government. The government wants to believe, wants you to believe, that your rights are a privilege granted by them. That's complete bullshit, and if you believe that, you are so blind. Do yourself a favor. You've got Google at your fingertips, a, li a, a library that rivals the ages. Read the Constitution, read the Articles of Confederation, read the Federalist Papers, read the Declaration of Independence. There's no excuses anymore. Just because you can't say it in a catchphrase in five seconds doesn't mean it isn't real. I just get fired up about this because I see so many idiots spouting off about things they have no clue about. And these are the same idiots that are going to die when the shit hits the fan because it's going to hit. And guess what? All of us big, bad, mean gun owners aren't going to frickin' help you. I'm not. If you're not willing to defend yourself or stand with me and, and help defend each other, then you can go cower under a government boot and die under their boot all you want because I'm not helping. 
Okay. Now, here's new testimony from Shauna Cox. I found it today when I was surfing around, or actually late last night. Take a listen to what she has to say. Well, Shauna, thanks for joining us, and I know this is a very difficult time for you. I, I can imagine you're not sleeping very well, and I would imagine, you know, the meals aren't going down as good as they normally do. So I wanted you to know from that perspective, I so appreciate your courage, but your conviction to the truth to come on this show and, and set our listening audience straight about what happened. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate we have the opportunity to tell the truth. Because I see in the media there's a lot of falsehoods that are going out, and, and we have to speak up and tell what really happened so that they will know what really went down. Well, let's let's start with that morning. You you guys were taking a, a trip, um, Ammon and his brother and Lavoy, you and so forth, and Victoria, uh, and a gentleman named Mark McConnell. You were all taking a trip to go to John Day. What was the purpose of your trip? That morning, um, we had our meeting, and, the, and the, the trip was set up. There was a meeting in John Day that evening with uh, the sheriff of Grant County, and he had called in a bunch of ranchers. I don't know if he called them or they, anyway, they had a big bunch of ranchers because the sheriff over there is very constitutional and has worked well and, and really in support of the Constitution. And they wanted to hear... Um, the presentation that Ammon Bundy gives and, and Ryan Payne and Ryan Bundy about personal rights, about our rights and how they're, how they're created and how they're protected by uh, the Constitution itself and what the Constitution is about. And they've been out teaching many, many um, ranchers and other citizens in Harney County, they would they would come down there and and learn these things, and then they would it was it was awesome. And they had this meeting set up for that evening, and a couple of days before that, we had a wonderful family show up. It's uh, the Sharp family, and we had heard them sing before. They're a it's a mother. She has ten children, and they sing gospel music. And the Lord brought them here. The Lord brought them. And they fill your heart with so much peace and, and um, comfort, and that's why they came. So they de we decided, or they decided that that's what they were going to do, is have them come because they wanted to sing. They had been there singing for us for a few days, and the day before, their oldest daughter just came from from EMT school she finished and joined them so their, the whole program was going to go that they were going to put this performance on at that meeting in John Day well normally I don't go to the meetings um, I have other things I was doing working on but the guys were all getting ready to go and they had planned it out for Everybody was going at separate times in separate individual cars. 
and at that time we were going to um, send the family and some others ahead and get prepared and as they were getting into their um, car, their van to drive they had everybody in except the oldest daughter because she was still getting ready and they needed to take off so we said okay go ahead and go um, then we were going to come well I was originally not going but Lavoy was driving his truck and Ryan Payne was in the passenger side Ryan Bundy was in the back and they were taking Victoria this daughter the 18 year old and we had another person that was supposed to be going to film it to video it but we couldn't find him at the last minute and so um, I said okay I will go and do that and then because I was preparing to go home I said I will go and do that and then see I was going to go home afterwards so I jumped in the truck on behind the passenger seat and we headed out for John Day um, when we had traveled for about a half an hour and while well, and behind us was supposed to come in about 15 minutes or so was going to be the second vehicle which had Mark McConnell in he was driving and uh, Buddha and Ammon, Ammon Bundy anyway they were in a different vehicle and they were supposed to be coming behind us and then we had a reporter that was supposed to be coming 10 minutes behind that and so we, we headed out, we traveled for probably, I'm guessing, around a half an hour. During that time, I was busy on the phone. I was calling people in John Day, some of our friends, saying, you ought to come and see the concert. You know, it's going to be really, um, it's going to be really interesting and you'll really love it. I wanted them to be able to hear what was happening and, and to understand. And then I also had, uh, some of the, the guy's families, like the, the boy's wife was calling, you know, and, and I was texting saying, this is, this is great. Um, his um, daughter was playing a basketball game, and she wanted to be there, but they had, you know, she's at high school. Anyway, I was in communication with a lot of people at that time. We'd traveled for about a half an hour, and we're going through the hills. Now, I don't know how far it is, and I don't even know which direction we're going, because I do not geographically know Oregon. Um, not from here, wasn't familiar, and we got to this node valley, and they said, and I looked up, and they said, oh, look at all those vehicles that were coming out of the, the side canyon, there were a whole bunch of them up into this uh, Snowden valley off the side road, and they started to filing out and falling in behind the jeep. And at that time, I think, is when um, Lavoie and Ryan realized that it was, uh, it was going to be an ambush, that it, was, that it was a setup. And they got a little bit uh, nervous because as they came out, they came up on quickly and flipped on their lights. All, we could, all I could see was flashing lights. Um, as they were, you know, and they were starting to pull over the Jeep because I could see in the rearview mirror that the Jeep was slowing down. So I turned around and I could see that they were kind of coming up on top of the Jeep and the Jeep stopped and uh, we kept going because LaVoy said, we have to get to John Day and we have to uh, 
because uh, we're meeting the sheriff. We've got to get to John Day. So I, he was speeding up. And then the cars, the police cars, or whoever they were, I don't know because I couldn't see them exactly other than they were different colored vehicles at the time, like SUVs. Anyway, they start, I could just see the lights coming up quickly upon us. And uh, Ryan Payne says, LaVoy, you need to pull over. Just just pull over. And uh, LaVoy said, no, we got to go see the sheriff. And finally, Ryan Payne said, you got to pull over. you got you got to stop, you know. And, and so LaVoy slowed down and stopped. And Ryan Payne rolled down the window. Now, he's in the passenger side. And he puts both his arms out the window and puts it, you know, to show, I guess, that he didn't have any weapons or whatever, but he has, he puts his hands out and he, uh, starts to put his head out and a bullet comes by and I thought it hit him in the arm. He jumps back really fast into the car. I mean, his hands. And it hits, I thought it hit the bracelet on his arm, but it didn't. It hit the metal between the mirror and the door. And that freaks us out. And he so goes, they're while, while you were stopped, they didn't give you an opportunity to surrender. They didn't get on no. their the PA system and said, okay, this we're going to order you out of the car. Anything. So yeah. the first thing they did nothing. was to shoot at they you. Shoot at him. Yep, shoot at Ryan's hand. Um, and so that freaked us out. And then um, LaVoy was going to take off, and Ryan said, no, 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 they, they're making business. We, we better stop. You know, just wait. And so he gets out, and he's yelling at him. There's women in the car, so he jumps out of the car. And um, then he's standing there, and he yells back at whoever's behind us, and he says, there's women in the car. And we hear them say, if the women want out, let them out, or let the women out. Well, my door was locked, and Victoria was sitting next to me. And she's just a young girl, just barely 18. And she's freaked out. Well, I'm kind of freaked out, too, because they're shooting already. And we haven't even done any of it, you know. And that that was really weird. And then I can look up, and I looked up, and on the top of LaVoy's hat, there is a red laser pointed to the top of his head. Because I can see him in the back seat. And, and he saw that because it was like, flashing around, you know, around, and we can see it on his head, and he stuck his hand out and his head out, and he yells, uh, we're going to see the sheriff, we are going to John Day to meet with the sheriff, and um, he said, um, go ahead, shoot me then, because he could see the laser on his head in the mirror, and, uh, and then he said that three or four times, we're going to see the sheriff. And then he said to us, if you want to get out, get out. And Victoria says, I'm not getting out. And my mother instinct kicks in, and I said, I'm not leaving her. <laughs> I'm not getting out. So he says, okay. And so we just, so he just decided to gun it, and we just slid down the, slid down the floorboard. I, well, I was still sitting up. There wasn't really enough room for us, so I'll slide down there. And, but uh, Victoria leaned over on me. And Ryan was down, and uh, we took off. And I and we tried at that moment to 
dial out uh, 911, anybody we knew, trying to call. We had, Nobody, none of us had any service. Suddenly the service was all gone, like they already mm-hmm. knew. Sure. They either shut it off or, or um, knew that that spot had absolutely no service because we couldn't call one single anything. We had no service. And I had just barely been on the phone, so I knew that it had just cut off. So we, um, so I immediately grabbed my camera that I had um, because Ryan turned on his phone and he's talking into his phone saying what's going on, trying to, I don't know if he's videoing or exactly how he's doing it, but he's, but he's recording what's happening. And I am... Uh, and I and I'm down as low as I can get, and I've got the camera up, and I and it's on um, boy. And I said to him, "Do you?" I said, "How far do you think we can get before they shoot the tires out? How far do we have to go?" And he said, "We have to go 50 miles." Oh, my heart sunk. I'm going, "Oh my gosh, that they you're going to make 50 miles, and they're gaining on us, and they're coming up around the side of us, and he's going for it, and." Um, Suddenly, uh, we hit some, because uh, we're down, I, 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 I guess we came around the corner, I'm not really sure, but all I know is all of a sudden the truck is hits this slush, and I don't know if he hit the brakes or if he was just swerving exactly, but this big spray of snow and ice came up to the side over on the right side of us, and he swerves over to the left, and then now he's going over into the snowbank. That, at that point, I could see the vehicles barricading across the road and he's trying to go around and we get stuck so he was going to go around the two vehicles there and he he got stuck in the the snowbank and and so let's talk about what what happened then and 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 uh when lavoy decided to exit the vehicle well at that point as soon as that vehicle stopped okay he flung open the door and he jumped out of the vehicle and the snow was deep and he try and he throws his hands wide open, and he runs. Well, he's trying to. How do you run through snow? You know, waist deep. Anyway, he's trying to get through the snow, and he's got his hands out, and he's yelling, "Just shoot me, then! Just shoot me! Shoot me! Just shoot me, then!" And I could not understand why he was doing that. And since that day, I have come to understand a little bit more that he. Because I can't do his thinking for him. But he has a number of daughters. And I really believe that he had intention to draw the fire away from us because they had lasers all over the place and and started shooting. Did you have and lasers on your body? Absolutely. They had lasers yeah, okay. all over us. And, and we were freaking out because they were shooting the truck. He was he was out there. We couldn't do anything. We got pinned okay. down. We Let me stop you for a second, Shauna. Let me stop you just for a second. Yeah. Are you saying at the point he got out of the vehicle, they were already firing upon the vehicle? They started firing immediately upon the vehicle. When, when the vehicle and came to a him. stop, when they came to it, when you came to a stop in that snowbank, is that when they started to fire again? I think he jumped out first, and then they began to fire. Okay. I think he hit the snow before they actually started firing, but that's when we had to get we, can't, we couldn't get up because they, we were getting blasted with bullets, you know, and lasers were every place in the car, and they were shooting everything, and the windows went out, and the passenger window got blown out, and and uh, his door was still open, and um, and Victoria. 
and Ryan. Now I couldn't see him after he left my camera because he because I'm panning over there, but I'm down low and I and they're kind of in front of me, so I can't see it as well. But Victoria would get up and I'd say, "Oh, get down," you know, and um, she was trying to see him, and she said, "They shot him! They shot him!" And then and Ryan said, "They shot him!" And they shot him again, and and they and Ryan says he's dead, and but bullets never stopped they kept coming they kept shooting the vehicle we were pinned we couldn't get up it was like they they were we were not supposed to get out of that How they long started did they keep uh, shooting the at windows you? blasted out i'm okay. sitting there next to that passenger window down um we're praying we're praying as hard as we can uh to to protect us to, to save us i'm looking up at the window next to my head and there are bullets or whatever they hit five times they hit that window and it never broke I don't know if it was because the angle or I, I praise the Lord because I, I say he was protecting us because we were praying so hard to save us and Shauna how many times lasers, do you, yeah let me ask you how many times do you think they shot at the vehicle if you were to guess and how many how long did this assault go on after Lavoie was shot oh hundreds of hundreds of bullets hundreds they didn't stop. I mean, there was a laser on her knee, and I'd grab her knee and move it. There was that one on his hat, on his hat, and we'd push her. You know, we were just dodging the lasers, and um, and it just kept shooting. And then they started shooting some weird things in that were sending smoke, uh, and they burned our eyes and our nose and our you know our faces. And so they were anyway. It was awful. We just uh, so it went on for I'd say I don't know if it's five, ten minutes. I, I don't know how long it was. I mean, in that situation, I, I don't, can't tell time. The only way I could tell you is if you had my camera and you could see how long I was videoing. That's all I can tell you. Well, um, how did they eventually, how did the shooting stop and, and then they took you into custody? Let's talk about that. Well, uh, Victoria had just finished um, EMT school two days before that. And she was screaming out the window, let me help him, let me help him. Um, but see, they didn't answer when she did that. And then she really was upset because they killed him. And she says, let me cover his body. I'm an EMT, I'm an EMT. And she was screaming. And uh, and then after we'd had a, enough of this, I mean, it was just, you, we, it was definitely that they were, they had no intention to let us out of there. So we started screaming together. She was screaming, stop, stop. And I, and I was really upset. And I said, stop it right now, just stop. And finally, they heard us, I guess. I have no idea why they stopped. But I'm telling you that they stopped, and then they said, send the man out. And at that time, Ryan said, I've been hit in the shoulder. And we looked, and sure enough, he had been hit in the right shoulder, and he was, um, and was bleeding. And um, Victoria wanted to take care of it, but they were saying, get out of the car. So he came out with his hands up. And had to back out, and they uh, uh, took him. And then they tell the next one to get out, so she gets out with her hands up. And of course, they arrested her or took her. And then I came out. I had to drop my camera and my phone and all my notebooks. And I came out with my hands up, and that because the truck's kind of a slant, so we all came out the same back door. And as I got out, I was right behind Victoria. And we and I noticed that the truck tire was still spinning in the snow. He had, and, and so it was still spinning. And I look, we look over there, and there's Lavoie laying dead on the snow. 
Now, what was really odd with that was because he went out facing them, and when we when we saw him, his back he was laying with his back down and his face up, which didn't make sense. And his left hand was still out, and his right hand was kind of just leaned up by his chest, and his knees were still buried in the snow. And until I saw the FBI video yesterday, it made no sense to me. How? Why would he be facing up like that? He was obviously dead. His hat was still on. I, I, he had his glasses on. Uh, I I don't understand um, how he was in that position. But as we were walking, we also saw all these men coming out from behind the trees. There were all these men that had rifles and uh, hats on, had like little binoculars on them that were all behind all these trees that were facing him, facing us. And I would say, and, and in my guess, I would guess about 24 of them maybe. I, I'm guessing, but there was a number of them. And then we went back, and they took us over and set us on a road and put handcuffs on us. And and then, and as I was coming out with my hands up, they yelled at me and said, who else is in the vehicle? I said, no one. Nobody else is in the vehicle. They asked me that three or four times. Nobody. I'm the last one. There's nobody in there. As soon as they got me to the road and put the cuffs on me, they opened fire and started riddling that truck again. Just riddling. Riddling oh truck with bullets. And Trying they, to kill anyone that uh, might be behind, yeah. I guess. I, I don't know, but they just riddled it, and they broke the window that I was sitting next to, you know. So now that window's blown out. But they had up to that time, they hadn't broken that window, but now it's, it was totally, um, yeah, they just opened fire out on that truck. Victoria, we're, I mean, excuse me, Victoria. I mean, Shauna, we're running kind of short on time, so let me let me move this okay, ahead. Sorry. You you have an appearance tomorrow, don't you? No, and I, don't I want have you to go back and see the attorney. We're attorney, going okay. back to the court because when I was released, they did not give me um, the terms and conditions or whatever. They gave me nothing. I didn't yeah, sign anything. That's where I was going with I this. I didn't know anything. They, just they me could out. Uh, end up telling you that you're you're gag ordered and you can't speak to the media anymore. Correct? I'm sure they're going to say that to me. Uh, well, I'm not sure. I don't even know because they didn't tell me anything, so I didn't know. Other okay. than, here's one thing they did tell me. They did tell me that I had to um, that I had to uh, get all the guns. They called my husband and said I had to have all the guns out of our house if I came home and that they had to go somewhere else. So that day my husband had taken them to my daughter's house and put them in their big office, their shed, their uh, building they have there, construction building, and... Uh, my son-in-law was in that building that night working on his uh, backhoe, and he fell asleep in the chair by the wood stove. And for some reason, after the family went up to the house, uh, and with the little children, my, my daughter and the little kids, somehow that thing caught on fire and exploded and burned down the whole shop with her husband in it. And she got there, and all my guns and bullets were blo- were blown. I, I, it was awful. It was awful. She couldn't get in the building. 
So now he's killed. I'm trying to get home. They call me back and say, You're, get, you got to get back here. They didn't put this ankle bracelet or something they were supposed to put on you. They didn't do it. And I was torn in half. I, I was three hours out and had to come back. And I didn't, I couldn't get to my family. I was, I'm really distraught because yeah, I can't I, do it I until know. in the morning. So in I the morning, I have to go back there and they're going to give me terms and conditions and whatever. I don't know. Um, let me ask you a, a real pointed question here. Did sure. anyone inside the vehicle or did Lavoy do anything to warrant being shot at? What, what do you mean by that? Did he do anything to... In other words, from the law enforcement perspective, they're going to come out with... They're going to spin the narrative, as you know. Okay? It, from course. your perspective, did Lavoy deserve to be shot? Did he act in a threatening Absolutely manner? Absolutely not. Absolutely okay. not. All right. He I never wanted to get that on the record. Gunny. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Okay. And at the first traffic stop, the first roadblock, you were fired upon without provocation, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this is... This is Nazi Germany, and you had an encounter with the Gestapo. That this yep. is how I see it. Uh, when people aren't offering resistance, what they should have done. I've had you wouldn't believe all the law enforcement agencies I've had I, yeah, write to me. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. Boy, I'm getting I'm my getting own voice back voice. in my ear. But we have. Uh, I've had law enforcement agents write to me, Shauna, and they're telling me that they should have moved immediately upon Lavoie's body to see if he was alive. Uh, arrived putting cover on the car so if no one was doing anything you don't shoot and they said that they should have checked him to see if he was still alive to give him medical assistance they didn't do that they acted with complete depraved indifference towards Lavoie uh, and then the way they've handled you guys and that, I mean first of all Victoria wasn't even part of the actions of Ammon Bundy and what was trying to be accomplished there by educating the ranchers and yet they could have killed her they could have killed an Absolutely. innocent person without even giving them the right to, to give up. That's the right. thing. They, they never gave you an opportunity to surrender until after Lavoie was dead. Am I right? Right. And even then horrible. they were <laughs> Horrible. Just horrible. And to Todd, Todd, we're going to skip this last break, and we'll go right into Katie's segment here when we're done with Shauna. But this is, I mean, I said this last hour this makes me ashamed to be an American. That we could act oh, with such depraved indifference. Don't ever be ashamed to be an American. We have to make uh, a difference. This was a well. I agree. We do need to make a difference, and I'm glad to hear you say that. Well, listen. I'm so glad that you came on the show with us, Shauna. I, I we and I speak for my listening audience uh, and and for Katie. Um, we so respect you uh, and your courage. For coming on, because we know how. I appreciate it. This was a man who was killed in cold blood. That's all I can tell you. I, and I agree. We should pray for those people. We should pray for the people who did it, and we need to pray for the family because this is God's country. He created the Constitution for us, and we have to realize that it's in His hands, and we must pray as a nation. We have to pray. This, uh, you embody the spirit that makes me proud to be an American. And the FBI in this instance, it just, uh, it just, it's beyond words. Shauna, God bless you. I, I wish you. you complete justice in the courts. I know they've charged you with impeding federal officers. Of course, they had to make up some bogus nonsense. I've read the charge. It doesn't even make sense. But I wish you the best. Yeah. Our listening audience is going to pray for you that you all are set free and justice be done and the murderers of Lavoie 
are brought to justice. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you and, for having uh, we will, Thank We will follow this carefully. And again, again thanks, thanks to Katie, Katie for, for making, making this interview possible. And there you have it. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, on TV I see that you know, eyewitness testimony is unreliable. Yes, sometimes it is. Not in this case, not when two eyewitnesses essentially line up with one another. And when the video correlates essentially with what they said. The only thing that the video can't prove, that it cannot prove at this point, is that shots were fired at the vehicle at the first stop. But both witnesses say that's the case. I have no reason to doubt either one of these women at this point. But she's right, and the announcer was right. By the way, comes from um, the Watchman News, thewatchmannews.com. And unlike others in the alternative radio community, I like to give credit where credit's due. So I thank the Watchman News for their prompt and on-time reporting of this incident and getting having the contacts to get a hold of the right people. So what's it going to take, ladies and gentlemen? Okay, we can argue all night long about how and why this came about, but the bottom line is these ranchers have been getting hosed and screwed by the federal government and state governments for decades now. Decades. Now it's finally coming to a head. But here's the thing. They had the higher ground here, unlike two years ago at Bundy Ranch. Two years ago, not quite, but almost two years ago in 2014, the feds had to back down. They don't forget. And I don't think they took that into consideration when they were planning this thing. And the sheriff there, Sheriff Ward, you're a piece of crap. You have no clue what the Constitution says, what the Bill of Rights says. You don't have a flipping clue. And you know what? When I was 18 years old, and I took my oath of allegiance to the Constitution, not to a president or a despot leader like we have now, <clears throat> I took an oath to the Constitution. And the people, the Constitution includes we the people, right? That's who I took an oath to. So I would say to Mr. Obama and whatever that person's name is, Lynch, I guess, is her name. 
in the Attorney General's office, you have blood on your hands too, along with Sheriff Ward. I pray for you that you find peace, but I doubt that you will. And to whoever took the fatal shots at Lavoie, you need a lot of prayer too. And especially to the one that flipped him off after he was dead. I don't like you. Nothing in the Bible says I have to like you. But I can't hate you. And ultimately, we have to forgive them for what they've done. But Jesus was asked, if your brother asked for forgiveness, how many times do you forgive him? And he said, 70 times 7. In other words, to infinity, if they ask for it. But even if they don't, unforgiveness only destroys you or me or anybody else who holds it. But I can guarantee you, if you're listening, if you're listening to this show right now, to whoever pulled the trigger on the void, until you come clean with God and until you come clean with your fellow man, you will be haunted by this. The mind is the greatest prison of all time. I don't care what kind of concrete walls or barbed wire you put up. The mind, a person's mind, is the greatest prison they can ever experience because they will relive their wrongdoings time and time and time again. Believe me, because I've, I've lived it. And in order to forgive yourself, you have to confess those sins to one another, as the Bible teaches. You'll never have peace until you do that. Now, I'm only going to play one part of this particular interview. Watchman's News Network, once again. The Watchman News. This is nine minutes and 50 seconds of Victoria Sharp's testimony. Now, this is not the testimony you heard right after the shooting where she's all frantic and so on. This is after the fact, and, well, I'll just let you listen, and you can make your own evaluations. Got out of the vehicle. They told them how to go around, and then I, they told me to get out of the vehicle, and I had lasers all over my front, like 20 laser just painting me um, and there were men all in the trees a lot of people and um, they're just pointing their guns at me and shouting and they told me to follow the next voice I heard and um, so they had me walk this way and that way and then backwards and then stop and then someone grabbed me by the hair and started screaming in my, in my ear um, saying who else is in that vehicle um, is there how many other people are in that vehicle and I, was, I said, there's just one other lady. And, and they were still screaming at me. And they dragged me over and told me to lay on my stomach. And so I did. And they cuffed my hands behind my back. They were saying, what's the lady's name? And I couldn't remember. I had just met her. 
And so um, I said, oh, I remember that it started with an S, but I couldn't remember his her name. And and they said, um, well, what did she introduce herself with as? And I said, well, I couldn't remember. And so then they got Shauna out. They let me set up, and they got Shauna out. And then they started asking us, is anyone else in the vehicle? Is there anyone else in that vehicle? And we said, no. We said, no one else is in the vehicle. And they said, well, if there's anyone else in that vehicle, they're about to die. And they started to shoot into the vehicle again. And they shot quite a bit, but no one was in there. And then they um, just sat us on the road. And we could see them standing around the boy's body. And some of them were laughing. They were talking together. And I asked Brian if his shoulder was OK. He said he thinks he got hit, but that he didn't see a lot of blood. And so someone cut his um, his shirt. One of the people that were there cut his shirt. And they said, oh, yeah, there is actually a bullet in his shoulder. Um, and I'll say, by the way, that it was a, it was not a foam bullet. It was a lethal bullet. The, the um, FBI said that they only shot foam bullets. But he had a lethal bullet in his shoulder. So that's a complete lie. And um, so they said they would get some medical attention for him, which didn't come for a while. And then they searched us, and they put us, they sat us on the back of a van with the doors open. And a, an officer was standing there watching us. And we, um, I was crying a lot. Um, I was really tr kind of traumatized by the whole scene and everything that had happened. And our noses and our throats and our eyes were burning from the gas that they had shot in there.
the Safeway. Really? Well, I guess it's better than dumping her off in the middle of freaking nowhere, but the Safeway? Really? All right. Well, alrighty then. That cut off quite abruptly. <laughs> That's okay. I wasn't prepared for the, the hard ending like that, but there is a part seven. I just wanted you to hear part six so you could hear from one of the eyewitnesses what was really going on right there at the scene. And the reason that was like coming back is I want you to go see these guys. Okay. Now let me hit the home page to make sure I give you the right address. Okay. It's obviously www.thewatchmannews.com. Uh, All one word. The Watchman News. So two ends there. Thewatchmannews.com. That's who got us this, these interviews that I just played for you.
And I'm going to give them full credit, of course. I'm going to email them here shortly and let them know how much we all appreciate this here on the Johnny Storm Show. Obviously, I don't have their connections to these people. But I'm glad they have some. Because this is important stuff. This goes against everything, almost everything the FBI has said and the state police have said. When I first started playing the, the, the Shauna Cox interview, I went upstairs to, to grab a couple of things and I talked to the wife and she's like, well, you sound really upset tonight. I says, well, I am. They set up an ambush for this guy, and they're trying to spin it as a justified shooting, and it's not even freaking close. Not even close. I don't care if he had a gun in his pocket or not, which I doubt. But if he did, and he was trying to pull it, well, you know what? If I were in his shoes, I would too. Absolutely. freaking lutely Now, I wouldn't have been in his shoes because... I wouldn't have started the, the occupation of that empty federal building in the first place. But I don't care if you disagree with their tactics. What the FBI and the state police did was 110% wrong. Now, maybe you know why the individuals involved in shooting Lavoy were probably young bucks based on the testimony I heard and that you guys heard the other night from someone who got pulled over, the one who was driving um, O'Shaughnessy's vehicle in Burns said that they had no less than four to five AR-15s pointed at the back window of his vehicle and they were very young and very twitchy and jumpy. They had kids out there shooting this man. They had him all jacked up. Psychological deal. And if you've been in the military, you know what that's like. If, you're in law, if you've been in law enforcement, you know what that's like. They get you all pumped up to go kill, kill, kill. And then you don't know how to do anything different. If they were sent out there with shoot first, ask questions later orders, and they got them pumped up for those orders, then guess what? They're not going to hesitate. They're going to shoot. And if you look at the video, if they would not have hit their targets, it's a good thing they were decent shots because the cops behind Lavoy, if that guy would have missed, the guy that was coming out of the woods with his arm extended, if he would have missed, those officers on the roadblock would have been ducking or shot. Friendly fire. That's what makes me think that these were young kids. Probably some of them barely out of the academy, all fired up, gun home, ready to go. No conscience because they just came out of that militaristic type academy. 
By the way, the academies aren't supposed to be militaristic. Now, for me, yeah. I was in the military. I was a military cop. So, yes, that should be militaristic. Not for these guys. All right. I'll get off my horse here for a second while I get to the right page that I'm looking for. So I want to read you my short essay before I close out tonight. As a matter of fact, before I do that, let me get to another channel just to make sure I'm on the right page here. Okay. Just getting the right things pulled up. Sorry. Um, Oh, by the way, in case you're wondering. uh, Yeah, there it is. (laughs) I knew I'd find it. Because it's still on the front page of Fox News. In case you're really, really missing the uh, debates tonight, which is such a joke. If you believe this crap, oh my God. I've got oceanfront property here in central Montana. Come talk to me. Anyway, here's the big headline of foxnews.com. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because every once in a while, at least once a day, I have to check the major sites to see if they're reporting anything real. Well, tonight they're reporting on fantasy, but they want you to believe it's real. The liberal gloves come off. Clinton and Sanders trade blows over... Progressive creds and foreign policy. Progressive creds. I dread to even think what that could be. Who's going to tax people more? Who's going to take away more guns? Uh, Who's going to restrict the people's rights more? How much free shit are they going to give the the lazy, no-life loafers? Who they've conditioned, I don't blame this on the individual anymore because they've conditioned people to believe that your rights come from the government when they do not. That's what our founders knew. That's why they say our rights come from the creator. We're all created equal. So, there you go. But all the dweebs out there that I see that can't even name who fought the Civil War who can't even name what year the uh, American Revolution was fought, who can't even name who we fought it against. There's a headline for you. The liberal gloves come off. Clinton and Sanders trade blows over progressive creds and foreign policy. If you believe that's important, then just go to my Facebook page and unlike my page and unfriend me if you happen to be a friend I don't have time for you you're lost okay now I want to read you something that I wrote earlier today in fact it was this morning I just got to get to it and there we go This is my statement about this shooting in Oregon. 
after careful research and taking my emotions out of the equation, I've come to a conclusion. My conclusion is the shooting death of Lavoie Finnegan was an ambush. Period. End of story, at least for me. Unlike others in the movement who say everything was lawful, go ahead and watch the last speech at Liberty Fellowship, Montana, I disagree. The FBI and state police had every opportunity to arrest these people peacefully, and they didn't do that. No, instead they chose a lonely stretch of highway with no cell service to ambush them instead. At first, the FBI said three shots total were fired. Lie. They s then they said they tried to do this with no harm intended. Lie. Then, at the end of the press conference, they said, people need to learn there are consequences for their actions. Well, what's the message there? That if you stand up for your rights, you're dead, or on your way to federal prison. The Bundys and the group made mistakes to be sure, and I've gone over them time and time again. However, that does not justify how this was handled. Now, the that the general dumbed-down public has accepted their narrative of the issue, they'll feel less inclined to hold back on doing this again and again. Now, if you think they won't, if you think they won't, think again. This time, the Patriots need to hold the high moral ground, which is why Oath Keepers and other militias did not respond. Militias are for the state and the local communities, not for running over state lines and becoming, like Bob Brutus said last night, a mercenary. Mistakes aside, the Bundys and their group were no threat to anyone and they had made no threats. Yes, they said they would stand their ground, but they made no specific threat. I also believe that the FBI had plants on the inside, and as others have said, if they weren't on the payroll, they should be, I shouldn't have to name, it, name them at this point. But here's one question. Where did Mark McConnell go? The one who was driving Bundy's Jeep. Or his Jeep with Bundy in it. Why did he insist on taking, on them taking just two vehicles and that they leave together? Why wasn't he with the rest of them in the prison slash jail where they were being held for arraignment? This is just one example of how they were penetrated. In conclusion, it's my gut feeling based on the evidence and the witness testimony that this was a planned ambush. The police had nothing to fear unless they created that fear, which is what they did, and I can guarantee you that they were hoping for no witnesses. Now, this is my short summary and what I will stand on unless and until someone can prove, prove me wrong. I emphasize the word prove because you're going to have to prove it to me beyond a shadow of a doubt. Just like a jury. And that is what these people didn't get. They didn't get anything by a jury, at least not yet. And I, I can't.
can't even think. Oh, I can't even think to imagine how corrupt that trial would be if it gets to a trial. And I guarantee you, that's why they were hoping nobody lived. The way they set this up, they were counting on nobody surviving it. Think about that tonight. God bless each and every one of you. Stay safe, stay in your communities, and don't put up with any crap. If you know it's wrong, say it. If you see it's wrong, tell it. All right, that's it. God bless. See you next time right here on the Johnny Storm Show. There shall be wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, famine, and pestilences, men's hearts failing them for fear for that which is coming upon the earth. Where do you look? Where do you turn? Where will you get the truth? You turn to the Johnny Storm Show where you will find truth, and the truth will make you free. Welcome to the Johnny Storm Show.